Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. (sighs) Hey, Paula. Are we starting from the beginning of the show? Yes. Yeah, it is the beginning of the show, which which, uh, used to be the grabber. But I I have an idea. Hey, Paula, guess what? What? I haven't pooped yet today, and it's already late afternoon. Oh, my God. <laughs> Talk about a grabber. No, Whoa. well, it's, that's not a grabber, but it's a peek behind the curtain. That, oh, that is a peek. That's a yeah. peek behind the curtain. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. You know, every show has kind of like, mm, you know, a character to it. And for me, yeah. the character of the show is built around Paula Poundstone, who's very natural unassuming and so the idea (laughs) of starting was to try and capture the conversation we have before we formally start the show so why Uh are you just monologuing because we never used to have conversations (laughs) like i just pooped i mean we talked about he didn't say like things going on he hasn't been able to poop yet today it's not even that i haven't been able to just (laughs) i haven't even tried haven't yeah. even tried it. It's been a... Bonnie, do you think that was your ADD <laughs> kicking in? You know, I'm trying to do something about it, but I, and I see there's a problem, but <laughs> wow. I haven't licked it yet. <laughs> yeah, but here's not. what I was going to suggest. I really okay. like my idea from last week's show, which was... Okay. Which was what? We could do okay. a cold open. Whether we call it a cold open or not, it's just mm. unplanned dialogue. And then oh. Adam goes you know, our formal announce, and then we break and come back and introduce Paula. I thought that really worked. It's non-traditional. I like that. The only way we can really know if stuff we do works is when we hear from listeners. And my guess is after today, we're going to get a lot of people wanting updates on Adam's digestion because that was really a peek behind it was not just a peek behind the curtain. It was a peek on the other side of the bathroom door. Well, I haven't been there. I haven't been to the bathroom. so <laughs> None of us asked for. <laughs> Bonnie, I don't know how that house you live in and wherever the hell you live could be big enough to hold a head that can have all those thoughts because that is phenomenal. Bonnie's been doing this thing where she's been using a larger and larger coffee cup to make her head look smaller and smaller. But yeah. these kind of thoughts can't come out of a small head. These are these are giant head thoughts. Here's what I think. Some people are right <laughs> all of the time. You know, some people Hold on, I gotta wrong. get a pencil. <laughs> wait, what is it? Some people are wrong some You're of never the time. Fight your no. way through this. Okay, wait. Some people <laughs> You know, are, right? Okay, I got it. I got it. Some people are right some of the time. Some people are wrong some of the time. But some people aren't right all of the time, and some people aren't wrong all of the time. What the no, fuck? I don't, that's not that's not <laughs> an expression 
Um, no, that's I not came up that's, with my that's, own. Uh, yeah, that's an original. I, I googled it and nothing came up. Yeah, no, that's an original. Of course, you googled it. That's an original big head thought. Oh my god! If Ben Franklin were here right now, he would be so jealous of this kind of expression that's clearly going to be remembered. It's going to be embroidered. Uh, Ooh, I just dropped by <laughs> oh, because no. I have to say that that burns women's thoughts. Are amazing. Thank you, Mr. Franklin. Hey, Ben. Yes. Ben <laughs> is so creepy. Oh, I don't want to wait shame you again. Tony's giving me a really bad time about it. But I was going to tell <laughs> well, you. Why I would you bring it walking. up then? <laughs> no, honestly. Did you have exercise? Like, did you walk or something? Because I know they didn't. No, have we had invented exercise back then. What the? F- no, okay, of course well, we had exercise. <laughs> Not that I don't think you're a great guy. I do. I respect you a little bit like the womanizer thing I don't think is so great. But you did recognize the value of women in some way that I don't remember. But you gave them jobs or something. I forget that part. Why are we judging me? I dropped by to say something nice, Burns. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mr. Ben Franklin. Yes. Thank you so much. The ghost of Ben Franklin. Thank you for traveling across time to visit us. And I think Bonnie speaks for all of us when she gives a, a good old... Fuck you to Ben Franklin. Yeah, that was, that was surprising. <laughs> uh, gotta go. <laughs> Toodaloo. <laughs> oh, and now he's gone. Oh, well. I think that to say to Ben Franklin, I don't want to fat shame you. Tony came up with that. No, you shouldn't body shame Ben Franklin. No, Tony didn't. She said I fat shamed <laughs> Ben Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the kind of thing that... Okay, no, you and Tony would need to talk about that privately. Can you see that you're still fat-shaming Ben Franklin if you say to him, Tony says I shouldn't fat-shame you, Ben Franklin. Can you, you see you, that you called socially... Him fat again. Yeah, that's not... Yeah, that's... Okay. Yeah, there's a little, right. little work needs done there. Have we started this show yet? No, I we haven't. <laughs> this show, we can do my idea again. Adam does a announce... And then he says, we'll be back after this. No, you're welcome, Paula. And then you say, we'll be back after this. From our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, Social Security. If you're like me, you've spent your whole lifetime being told how non-secure it is, which makes us all insecure about securing the future of our future security. But luckily, we've got AARP writer John Wagoner here to put our fears to rest, or at least to help us panic in a more informed fashion. And then... You loved him in The Untouchables. You thrilled to him on Boardwalk Empire. And now it's time to meet the real man behind the mob maniac. Yes, it's time for Bonnie and Tony to give us another installment of history with Al Capone, the B&T biography. Adam Felber, this show's dependable social safety net, preventing reason and rationality from falling through the cracks in our podcast's shaky facade. And now, please welcome the woman who is the cracks in our podcast's shaky facade. 
It's Paula Poundstone, <laughs> and we'll be back right after this. <laughs> <laughs> We're back, and if you're just tuning in, I just introduced Paula Poundstone, but did not give her a chance to speak. Welcome, Paula. Oh man, I loved Bonnie's new idea. It's so great. It's brilliant. Int- introduce me, and then cut away. I think it's fantastic. It's Hello, innovative. Uh, uh, hi, Adam, uh, and the others, who of course I haven't talked to yet. Uh, and and welcome to tonight's house band, Gregory Anderson on the piano. entertains at private parties, plays for his church, and works as a piano coach in Frisco, Texas. He's also played for decades in European and Middle Eastern piano bars, as well as on cruise ships. Listeners can find his music at pianogregor.com. That's pianogregor.com. That's awesome. And welcome, Paula Poundstone. Tell me what's new in your life. I'll tell you something. And I'd kept this from you earlier. I bit the shit out of the inside of my mouth. Oh, um, I yeah. hate it when that happens. Were you chewing gum or something? Uh, no. I, here's what happened. Uh, I had a tank of sharks in my room. Uh, okay. Because as you know, I go to Manchester, Massachusetts on vacation every summer. In the last few years, there's been a lot of shark activity in Massachusetts waters. So I've been very nervous about swimming there. So I'm trying to get myself more comfortable with sharks. So last night I I jumped into, well, I didn't jump into the tank. There are sharks for Christ's sakes. I eased myself into the tanks. And Wendell (laughs) was very critical, by the way. He said, why would you swim in a tank of hungry sharks? And I I do blame myself, but it wasn't a tank of hungry sharks. I feed them. I think, however, it was a tank of vindictive sharks they do not like being in a tank in my bedroom. So pretty much right after I got in uh, and got used to the water, I hate cold water, a shark came right for me with its big shark teethy mouth mine open. And I said, fuck you, I'll do it myself. And I just jumped down on the side of my mouth. That's how it happened. It, it, it stopped the shark cold in its tracks, but the whole thing was my fault. I just, I just didn't know what to do. So that's what's happening here, Adam. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, I'm I'm glad to know that. I mean, we're we're off to a great running start with this new year. We've got these innovative ideas coming out of the Simi Valley. But let's fight yeah. our way back up <laughs> towards it to say hello to the idea woman herself, the Galaxy Brain, your manager, our producer. <laughs> <laughs> it's Big Head Burns. <laughs> Bonnie, how you doing? Hey, and what's new? Hey, hey. Woo, woo. I decided I have a hard time going to sleep that night. So I was trying to, and sometimes, to be honest, I get up and eat to try and get myself relaxed enough to go to sleep, which is like an embarrassing thing to admit, but I just did it, okay? And also a terrible idea because once you're taking on calories, your body has to burn them, and that gives you more energy. Yeah, but if you eat enough, you just, like, get doped out. (laughs) 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 Wow. So okay. there's, there's no part of you that doesn't realize that this is a mistake, what you're doing. No, I agree it's a mistake. It's so yeah. habitual at this point. It's like built yeah. into me. Okay, so I decided New Year, 
what I was going to do was try and learn like not meditation. I fall asleep, but some way, other way to relax myself. So I didn't have this issue. I found um, on YouTube a video that was monks. It was just audio of monks, a hundred monks going, um, so I put that on my computer and. No, you use that if you're trying to get yourself ready to shoot yourself in the head. <laughs> that's. It can work for both, Paula. Let's be fair. Yeah, that's anyway, not so much for falling asleep. So uh, I leave okay. that up on my computer and I just, you know, mm, and eventually I fall asleep. And when I wake up in the wow. morning, I am so refreshed. I feel great. I'm positive. I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to go to bed tonight. So the second night, I decided to do something, I don't know, it was something Buddhist, different Buddhist. Okay. So I go to sleep with, um, and around four in the morning, I'm jolted awake to, I don't go to skeleton murder. That's a bastard in your house. The tape had run out that I was listening to, and it jumped over to something else. The guy on the in the picture had like a skeletal death T-shirt and you know big black beard. That was not relaxing. I woke up with a headache. <laughs> if the first monks work so effectively, and this is a problem that you've been dealing with for years, right? Yeah. Uh, if the first monks work so effectively, why would you immediately switch to other monks? That seems odd to me. I just thought maybe there was something besides mm, like, yeah, but you know, it, it worked, you know, the (laughs) biopic is going to be fascinating. (laughs) But last night I went back to the old one and I woke up feeling great again. And so, so it's been three straight nights without you eating until you fell asleep. I don't think I ate the second night, but the great news is, is that you've now had three straight nights where you haven't, um, that's gone down to the kitchen. That's pretty great. You know, the best way to celebrate that. Mm-hmm. No, I was going to say double stuff Oreos. Um, oh. <laughs> All right. Well, then. Preferably the chocolate covered um, ones, but maybe that's, idea, not a, maybe that's not helpful. I, I apologize. I just want to suggest, Bonnie, I do think there is a YouTube channel of um, disco monks. So you might want to look for that. <laughs> You know, that one yeah. that goes, um, 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 yeah. um, um. I'll show you how to do it. Paula, you do the um. I'll show you how it works. Go ahead. You do okay. the um, Paula. Um. 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 Yeah, we're giving Ambassador anyway. Tony anxiety. <laughs> hey, Ambassador Tony. Speaking of Ambassador Tony. Fresh in from her, from her journey to, um. Australia to, to spread the good news about uh, nobody listens to Paula Brownstone. <laughs> How you doing there, Tony? At least I wore the sweatshirt. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Great. That's worth our worth our money it's for sure. Inch by inch, step by step. There you go. Um, How are you adjusting to life on this side of the Pacific? So you know, while I was away, I um, watched. Uh, the the Netflix series Wednesday and I'm in love with it obsessed with it so that's now I hear it's great it's awesome but I think because of its violent nature I'm constantly having nightmares about either being murdered or murdering people I get a good I mean I sleep usually 10 to 12 hours a night so 
Aren't you the girl who's always saying how hard you work and how little time you have and you're sleeping? But I'm not to... working. I'm usually sleeping. Oh, my gosh. I'm usually in bed for 12 hours, but I sleep night. Wow. The cat is the one that gets me up in the yeah, morning. Yeah, the cat has to wake you. The cat's, like, starving <laughs> no, after 12 hours. True. The cat's like, please, for God's sakes, oh get up. Oh, my gosh. No, he Jesus. free feeds, but he also likes to be escorted. He free to. feeds? So he likes what the fuck is free he, feed? He free feeds. He eats when he wants to. She leaves a food down all the time. Yeah. And, I but, do too with our cat. But he likes to be escorted to his food bowl in the morning. So he likes yeah. oh my God. to get up well, you know and what you <laughs> to his food bowl. Oh you, you, you know what you might do to get maybe 13 hours <laughs> is just leave the bowl just under your bed and then you just pull it out when the cat shows up. Like, oh, look here. <laughs> hey, Paula, can you tell us where you're going to be working next? Paula? Adam Filmer, you should you shouldn't have scared her <laughs> off like that. You know Paula Poundstone loathes self-promotion. She, she has does. now wedged herself under the treadmill desk, and there's no telling when she'll come out. Uh, I can tell you that Paula Poundstone will be in concert in Salt Lake City, Utah on Friday, February 10th at the Gene Wagner Theater, and she'll be in Plymouth, New Hampshire on Friday, February 17th at the Flying Monkey. Now, I will try to coax her out from under here by leaving a Reese stick right on the floor near the treadmill. Wait, Mo, don't, don't eat that. And, and no, don't, don't push that button. Ow, Paula, are you, are you all right? Uh, I was just under the treadmill and Mo pushed the button and I shot out into the wall. I'm fine. Hey, you know, you know what helps a treadmill and wall injury get better really quick? Expanding our vocabulary? Yes. That's what I thought. Listeners, if you go over to our Facebook page, you'll find a beautiful artist rendering of part of Adam, Tony Anita Hull, and Captain Crinkle. I'm going to ask each of them the meaning of a former nobody listens to Paula Poundstone vocabulary word. And for each correct answer, they will receive an additional body part. All three of them received a body part last week, by the way. Until they have earned for themselves an invaluable portrait. I'm going to start by asking Tony Anita Hall the meaning of a former nobody listens to Paula Poundstone vocabulary word. And to make it fair, I'm asking Bonnie Burns and Adam Felbert to take your headphones off until I signal you back on Zoom. Okay. Bonnie, I will signal you with one finger and Adam, I will signal you with two fingers. Uh, All right. Ready, Tony? Ready. Do not Google, Tony. No Googling. Uh, All right. What is the meaning of Upsimath? Oh, I remember the word. Not nice. <laughs> Although it would it would be helpful in the world we live in to have yet another word for not nice. No, that is incorrect. All right, uh, there I'm signaling Bonnie Burns. Uh, big head Bonnie Burns is putting her headphones on. Okay, Bonnie Burns, are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. All right, the former nobody listens to Paula Poundstone vocabulary word that none of us can remember is Opsimath. Oh, gosh. It's a really hard one. Um, it's someone who isn't optimistic. Ooh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Adam Felber. I am signaling Adam Felber. There would be no body parts for Tony or, 
Poor Barney. Adam, uh, this could be for a beard. The word is opsimath. Opsimath. Oh. I remember um I remember having that word, but I don't remember what it meant. It means um someone who can do everything and know everything is what it is. It's like a polymath, but it's like everything. No. Okay. Wow. Uh, no body parts. Okay, I'm going to tell you what the word means. Uh, okay. It is a, a noun that means a person who begins or continues to study or learn late in life. Oh, that's right. I remember it now. Oh, I'm an opsimath. No, not really. No. <laughs> George Birds once said, retirement at 65 is ridiculous. When I was 65, I still had pimples. Yeah, well, a monthly check could buy a lot of benzoyl peroxide, George. Uh, we'll try to clear up myths about Social Security and our complexions when we come back. And now, a news update from the dental chair. Karen O'Carthy really wanted to be speaker of the house. <laughs> this has been a news update from the dental chair. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. Plus, enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress match in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. 
Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux, and I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. These are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft (laughs) and and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. <laughs> Keep that in mind. They're oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get 14-karat uh, gold jewelry and, like, all these accessories. Quinn sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? 
They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing. They cut out the middleman. That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, the Reverend Billy Graham said, I'm not a graham cracker. You're a graham cracker. I think it was a very young Reverend Billy Graham. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. Thank you, house band Gregory Anderson. Oh, my God. PianoGregorMusic.com. Hey, Paula, why the long face? Adam, I have almost no social life. I never really fit in that well before COVID, but since COVID struck us, I've lost touch with friends. And on the rare occasion that I do spend time around people, I go away with a grueling play-by-play recap in my head of what I did and said wrong. And my phone almost never rings. I mean, even as a kid, I, I, I always just seemed to tippy when the others were tapping. I, I have no social security. That's why when I hear Republicans talking about privatizing Social Security, it scares me because I'm already left out of public Social Security. You take it private and it's sixth grade Jane McKinnon and the cool kids hanging out without me at an undisclosed location all over again. That's why I really need to talk to someone who knows about Social Security, someone who who won't make me feel stupid, someone who really understands what it's like to feel that you just don't belong. Okay, now, Paula, Social Security has nothing to do with social life and human interaction. Like nothing. Ah, shit. It doesn't. No, it's a government-run economic security plan. But if that interests you, fortunately, we do have someone here who is an expert on that topic and can explain it. Well, that's great, but does he seem nice? Do you think he's someone who might call me sometime? Because I still have this social problem. I mean, maybe it's me. Maybe I just don't have any, what do you call it, social graces. You don't, but that's not really his purview. (laughs) But, you know, in terms of him being nice, it seems like he really is. So you're in luck. Our guest today is a personal finance writer, senior writer, editor, and producer for AARP.org and author of books on financial history. Please welcome John Wagoner. Hey, everybody. Hey, welcome, John. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. And when you start Social Security, uh, colors will be brighter and food will taste better. So, oh, wow. That's nice to know. Yeah. Wow. This is even a little, little known fact. Yeah, that is an LKF. Uh, just to start at the ground floor for people like me, what is Social Security? Who started it and why? Okay. Well, it started by Franklin Roosevelt in 1935, and he started it because. It was just coming out of the Great Depression. Lots of people just had no money. People had worked all their lives and saved and uh, just came out with nothing. 
So this was meant to be something that would supplement, you know, whatever savings you had or pensions. And uh, the first payment was made in 1940 to a woman named Ida Mae Fuller. And it was for $22.40, which in uh, 2022 dollars is about $3 million. Wow. No. No. No, it wasn't $3 million, was it? (laughs) No. It's about $500. Oh, wow. Well, going to the movies was a dime, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. 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 Wow. So Franklin Roosevelt starts this thing, but where did the money come from when he started? I mean, now now we pay in as we work, but how did he start it then? Oh well, they started the same way. They they, they paid their social security taxes, and it took five years for them to have enough money to get the program up and running. So that's why it was a five year gap between when it was started and when it was started paying out. Oh, got it. Got it. Okay, that that makes sense to me. How exactly does it work? Did the money that I earned at Bickford's Pancake House in Natick, Massachusetts, go into my own account or, or, or like a special piggy bank that's held aside for me? No, it's basically all thrown into a large pool of money. And uh, it's best to think of it kind of like insurance. If you were to get a basic insurance policy, like an annuity, where you give the insurance company a ton of money and they give guarantee you, you'll get a lifetime full of payments, right? And so... If you live to be 150, then you win the bet, right? You get you get more money back than you put in. If you uh, get hit by a bus the next day, well, you know, that's the way it goes. Oh, okay. Big pool of money. So everybody's putting in it all the time then, and people who are past the age of, you know, 65 or whatever are getting paid out. Yeah, that's right. Hmm. Now, does that all add up? It uh, Well, <laughs> sort of. The, the latest problem has been, and this has been kind of plaguing it for a while, is that baby boomers are a great big generation, and there are fewer people behind us than there were uh, us. So it means that sooner or later, we, the, the tax, that the stream of money from taxes that goes into pay Social Security will not be enough to uh, keep benefits fully going. And that time actually is going to start fairly soon. Um, but they have this big trust fund, they have big, you know, several trillion dollars worth of money uh, held in reserve to cover these expenses. And unfortunately, that's going to run out in 2035. Oh! Yeah, okay. <laughs> if it does and, and they don't do anything about it, uh, you would get about 77 percent of your benefit. And that would be from the, the taxable from the tax income. So wait, let me get this straight. All right. So I've been paying in since. Yeah. Bigford's Pancake House, International House of Pancakes. I have a big background in pancakes, John. It's a good skill to have. Uh, uh, and they, even when my kids were little, I used to serve them waffles shaped like Tweety Bird. So I've always kept my hand in it. Um, but I've been paying in all this time. But it wasn't really for me then. Was the money I was paying in going to the generation that was retiring just when I was getting started? Well, pretty much. I mean, it's the same way a pension works, right? I bet it is. And let me tell you something about that. I don't know how a pension works. <laughs> well, the, the secret sauce with pensions and, and with Social Security to some extent, and actually with insurance policies, is that, you know, some people live to be very old and some people don't. Um, the people who don't, their money goes in to pay those who live a long time. So the secret sauce is death. Death, yes, that's right. That's the secret sauce. Yeah, we could save all our problems if there was only a, uh, oh, I don't know, a disease that mostly preyed on very old people. Oh, oh hey. No. Um, um, there, there are several things that they can do to make sure that the, the cut in benefits does not happen. And uh, they're really not terribly difficult. All right, wait, before we go there, in essence, 
the money that I've been paying has been going to the people in the generation before me. And so the problem with Social Security um, is that the generation after me is smaller than my generation. And so not as much will be paid in for me. Is that right? That's basically it. Yeah. Well, shit, I could have figured that out. I wish they would come to me. Um, <laughs> if you just had seven or eight hundred thousand kids. Honestly. Yeah. You know, yep. was, that, was that too much to ask? No, was, you were pursuing a career in the 90s. No, it was me shirking my duty. Uh, yeah. I, and, and by the way, the fact that I have no social graces. By the way, a name is everyone's most prized possession, according to Melissa Penford. And you'll be amazed how doors open. Waiters and shop assistants will do anything for you when you greet them by name. It's just something to keep in mind social <laughs> grace-wise. John, Adam, thank you for being here. Hugh Hefner once said, and I quote, I think that retirement is the first step towards the grave, which is an interesting sentiment coming from a guy who never retired and is also dead. Hey, we'll talk more about retirement as an option for those of us who don't live in pajamas when we come back. The Cat of the Week is Joy from Belmont, Massachusetts. It's just me, Paula Poundstone. I don't want to bring you down by reminding you of why we need to laugh, COVID, but we do. Laughter could be practically prescribed by a doctor, climate change. And there's something about the shared <laughs> emotional experience of being a part of an audience that makes the laughter that much more powerful. Kids, 99% of the time when someone types LOL, they're lying. You don't laugh out loud at stuff when you're alone. You acknowledge in your head that you think the thing you're seeing or hearing is funny. Depression. That's why television <laughs> shows use a laugh track. <clears throat> By the way, it was only recently that it dawned on me that the Flintstones couldn't have had a live audience. Loneliness. I'm not saying that I'm the only one who can provide this healing laughter, Trump. But I am saying <laughs> you need to get it somewhere. And it happens that I work in theaters all over the country. Nuclear war. Go to PaulaPoundstone.com and see when I'll be at a theater near you. Parallel parking. Learning to talk to Trump. to the former president can be difficult, but by practicing these suggested phrases in front of a mirror for just a few minutes a day, you'll be saying what you need to say to him with confidence in no time. Get a pen and a paper and write them down. Today's phrase is, Eric looks up to you. Do you see how fucked up that is? And we're back with John Wagner. John, for as long as I can remember, I've heard in campaign speeches and the like that Social Security is in trouble, which you just referred to, uh, that it won't last. I think I get why it won't last now. Is it kind of, though, John, is it kind of a Ponzi scheme? No, no, because Ponzi schemes are basically 
made to uh, steal a lot of money from a whole lot of people. And um, I don't know anybody who's insanely wealthy in the Social Security Administration. Uh, they're they're all just government employees trying to do the best for their citizens. Yeah. No, I wasn't okay. thinking the people in the Social Security Administration. I was thinking the generation before me that I just worked my ass off to pay for them. And there's not enough people coming up behind me to pay for me. So you mentioned that there were easy fixes. What what are they? There's a couple of them. Uh, one is that you only pay Social Security taxes on a certain amount of money. I believe it cuts off around $147,000 this year. After that, you don't pay any taxes, uh, Social Security taxes. It's a 6.2% tax that you pay and a 6.2% that uh, your employer pays. But if you're self-employed, you got to pay the whole 12.4%. And uh, it's a flat tax. It's uh, It's highly regressive. But what does regressive mean? Yeah. So people who are extremely wealthy get cut off at $147,000. Bill Gates pays the same maximum amount of Social Security as, as anybody else does. Mm-hmm. Take that cap off, right? You can just say, look, you know, it's it's a tax. And that would actually go very far towards fixing Social Security. Wow, that seems oh, yeah. like, like something we should do yesterday. Uh, yeah, but we won't. Uh, American tradition is to wait to the last minute. and. Uh, when uh, Social Security was last in trouble was in 1983. Uh, it was about a month before the trust fund was due to run out that they actually signed the legislation to, to fix it. 1983 is a distant memory. Another distant memory is the year 2000 when Al Gore famously was telling us that we were robbing the Social Security trust fund and needed a lockbox. I don't agree with them on that. I don't think we we're robbing the, the trust fund. Uh, it, it It is what it is. It, it, there are literally bonds that they put the money into because they can't just stuff the cash into a room, right? They can't? Well, it'd be a big room. I mean, yeah. a couple trillion dollars. Did you I see mean, Breaking Bad where they go in the storage unit and there's just the huge stacks of cash? It would be bigger than that. Way bigger. Yeah. Wow. As I said, one way we could do it is take the cap off the uh, uh, amount of income that's taxable. Another thing you could do is let more immigrants in, which would solve several problems at once. Oh, make the working population bigger. Right, uh, which which is a, another solution. People throw around suggestions like, oh, well, raise the age at which you can first start collecting, which is 62. But, you know, a lot of people at 62, they just can't really work anymore. You know what I mean? If you're a roofer or, or a garbage collector or anything that involves using your body, uh, at some point you wear out, and it's usually like in your early 60s. Yeah. So so raising that age is not necessarily a starter. But the other two ideas that you mentioned, which are effectively raising taxes on the rich and letting more immigrants in, I feel like there's a political party that's against both of those things. Well, um, I should mention that uh, my opinions are not that of AARPs, but uh, you're right. There are there are there have been attempts or at least suggestions that we privatize Social Security. What would that mean? I guess it means that you would set it up like an insurance company, right? I don't know how it would be any better. Yeah, how would that change it if it was set up like an insurance company? I like the other suggestion. I didn't realize there was a cap. I yeah. I did think we were all pay, paying the same percentage. Silly me. Well, we all pay the same percentage up until the hundred and forty thousand dollars, and then yeah. nobody's paying wow. anything. Right. Yeah. Well, that's not so, right. Uh, no. Yeah. So after that, yeah. So that that's one suggestion that would really go a long way towards fixing the problem. Uh, you know, the people kick lots of suggestions around, and privatizing is one thing, but you know, insurance companies fail too, and um, then you have to worry about who's 
insuring the insurance company and uh it, that's also problematic well it sounds like that would be the government again now another idea that was floated was the idea of, of letting people have control of their own money the in, in, individual and to me that always says well what do you do for the person who makes a bad bet because they're not a sound investor and then all of a sudden they're 65 you know now they have nothing in their retirement well, that's right. And there are actually all very good investors who lost 17% in the S&P 500 so far this year. The problem with privatizing is, A, a lot of people are not very good investors or are not interested in investing and don't have the time or the inclination to, to manage their money. Sure. Some people are just bad at it. Um, and, you know, my God, you know, if they put them in Bitcoin, look where they'd be. Yes. So there's that. And it's also that, the you know, the capital markets, the stocks and bonds and everything are, are, are somewhat capricious. Somebody who did the exact same thing in and retired in 2006 would have been um, much better off than someone who retired in 2008 when, when all the markets, you know, went to Flinders. So that's the problem with it. You know, people say, oh, over the long term, you know, stocks and bonds return X or Y. But you know, uh, ask a person in Japan how they whether they would agree with that. Sometimes long stretches of bad performance in in, in markets, uh, as in the seventies, as in the thirties. I mean, I think one of the ideas behind Social Security is you need something that's not an investment, something that you can count on, and also something that's uh, adjusted for inflation, uh, which is. Uh, extremely helpful. We've got an 8.7% cost of living increase uh, for 20, 2023. And if you were to, to go to an insurance company and say, okay, I want an inflation adjusted insurance policy uh, that'll give me uh, $1,550 a month, which is the average payment now. Um, they'd say, well, sure, you'll need, that'll be like $300,000. Okay. So on top of you know, the money you're already saving, you'll have to save an additional $300,000 for that. Most Americans don't have enough to save and save for retirement anyway. So asking them to, to save that additional money would be difficult. I'll tell you another thing that's difficult for me about Social Security. According to Melissa Penford, she says don't do anything that makes others feel uncomfortable. Um, and she suggests <laughs> swearing or talking about money. Well, Fuck, I never I never even thought about that before I invited you on, John. This is so awkward. Yeah, again, that's not really John's purview, Paula. Your your social life is your own. He's talking about social security. Which uh, okay. which All necessitates right. talking about money. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I see, I see what you're saying. You see I that see now. What you're saying. But yeah. you know, you can also put others in the spotlight. Even if you're only having coffee together, ask them about their children and their lives. How are you, John? I'm swell. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks. Yeah. How are How are the kids, John? Excellent. They're excellent, oh. and uh, they're not getting social security yet, but you know they will someday. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, not not off me. They're not gonna. Now, John, you said uh, sort of as a personal thing. You said that social security you know, made food taste better and colors seem brighter or whatever it is you said. Why is that? Uh, no one knows. It's a mystery. Uh, it's a closely guarded secret. And uh, if I knew, I, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you. But there's a good feeling that comes with receiving those checks, knowing that you'd paid into it your whole working life and kind of thing is what you're saying? Well, yeah. And in fact, you know, uh, nine out of 10 uh, retired people get Social Security. A great number of them rely on it for so their entire subsistence, which is, you know, try living on $1,550 a month. It's it's not easy. You know, and it was not meant to be a full pension. But uh, there are a fair amount of people who do rely on it pretty much for everything. I had always thought that it was supposed to be able to support you. No, well, no, it yeah. was never designed. It was, it was supposed to be supplemental. 
And um, it was supposed to be not a gift from the government. It was supposed to be something that you paid into so that you have some ownership. Oh, I definitely don't see it as a gift from the government. It's definitely ours. But uh, let me let me just say that I'm I'm really, really excited about, um, you know, I, I never thought Social Security would cover everything. But as far as I understand it, Poundstone Industries has an amazing pension plan. Now, Paula hasn't sent me any of the details of it or any financial statements in relation to it the entire time I've been working for Poundstone Industries. But I'm I'm sure when it kicks in, my pension is going to be fantastic. Adam, I, 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 maybe we should do this while we're not recording. I meant to talk to you about the pension uh, thing. What? Uh, um, Adam, how are the kids? They're good. They're good. <laughs> yeah, I just for now. Yeah, why don't we talk about the pension later? Because I. Uh, oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, oh, this is going to be uh, awkward. Um, yeah. Um. Uh, so wait, wait, I was just going to ask you something. Oh, okay. So John. I know someone who's collected Social Security since they were 18. How does that work? Were they disabled? Yes. So their social Social Security has uh, several other things. They have survivor's benefits. They have benefits for people who are permanently disabled. And, you know, a lot of those people, you know, they're going to be unemployed. And I think the, the unemployment rate among blind people is something like 70%. Wow. These are people who who obviously need the money and um, benefit a great deal from Social Security. I, I went to uh, college with a, a kid who uh, got survivor's benefits, and you know that helped him a lot because his his uh, one of his parents died. Oh yeah, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not begrudging this payment in any yeah. way, but I am suggesting that um, so again, it's that generation after that pays it, not that person. Right. So uh, that blows the hell out of my piggy bank theory. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> yeah. But it will make it much more socially uh, graceful. You don't have to do that for her, John. You know, John, <laughs> um, one of the things that can make you socially secure, and I find you to be very gracious, but uh, simply being gracious, allow others to pass through doors first, uh, take the credit, have the best room, or deliver the punchline, which I allow Adam to do that all the time. And it says, according to Melissa Penford, she believes they'll love you for it. Uh, Adam? Um, that's, that's why his pension is so big. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah well, exactly. The, pen, that's, the that's pension what... thing. I'd rather you not bring up the pension thing right now. It's little friction between uh i don't see any friction it's gonna be great hey john but speaking of great you were great that information is excellent and now we're gonna take all the information that you gave us and run it through the old poundstonator paula house band gregory anderson on the piano what an amazing job you're doing thank you so much if i could get you to play some more notes for background i'll tell you what the old poundstonator spit out John Wagoner, senior staff writer, editor, and producer for AARP, thank you for being here to explain Social Security. John, you specifically said that we need something that is not an investment, and that really takes me back to my Breaking Bad scenario. I tell you what, for a very reasonable fee, I would be willing to store America's Social Security money right here in my home. My kids have moved out, so there's plenty of space in their rooms. And because of my cats, I gave up on upholstered furniture a long time ago. Stacks of cash would be an improvement. I'll have guests in and say, make yourself comfortable. Sit right here. Is a million dollars high enough? The cats would love it. I, I could make corn mazes out of stacks of money. 
Hardy, don't you pee on someone's retirement supplement. I should have talked to you years ago, John. I had no idea that Social Security was supposed to be supplemental. Suddenly, my retirement looks real different. I had always dreamed of someday going to Austria to see where the Von Trapps lived. It turns out I'll be lucky to make it to Fresno to see the foam factory where Kevin McCarthy's spine was forged. I, I just assumed that when I stopped working, I had Social Security to fall back on. I have no savings. I, I, I'm a big tipper. When I eat out with friends, I pick up the check. I've taken Taekwondo, drum lessons, expensive rehab. Shit. You're right, though, John. And aren't you dressed so nicely? It's going to be very hard to live on just Social Security. I can't be the only one who didn't know, by the way. Hasn't Barbara Streisand retired like three times now? I'll bet she gets slapped in the face with the cold fish of reality every time. <laughs> She'll probably come out of this retirement to host a game show soon. Or the ultimate irony. She'll start her own podcast. <laughs> a senior writer, editor, producer for AARP.org and our resident expert on social security and somewhat of an expert on social niceties as well, John Wagoner, everybody. Thank you, John. John. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that I'm the age that I am and I, and I knew literally zero about social security. So this has been so informative. And I also want to say that Melissa Penford says that one of the social graces is just being observant. Notice the special care people have taken over their hair and clothes and compliment them on it. And John, (laughs) you look fantastic. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Coming up, Robert De Niro may have played him, but only Bonnie and Tony really get him. It's Al Capone night on the B&T biography when we come back. Fun fact, Pope Urban VIII actually tried to ban sneezing in the 17th century because he thought it too closely resembled sexual ecstasy, which may explain his nickname, Old Penis Face. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Gregory Anderson. Oh, my Lord, Gregor. PianoGregor.com. That sounds fantastic. And now, speaking of fantastic, this is a Paula Poundstone innovation. Now, we have been using our own Bonnie Burns and Tony Anita Hall, our ambassador to the world, um, (laughs) for reports about various places on Earth. Um, But we're running out of places on Earth. And a few months ago, Paula Poundstone came up with a genius idea to have Bonnie and Tony take their considerable talents and explore the lives of amazing people. And with that... We go to this week's B&T biography, Al Capone. This week's Barney and Tony biography. All right. So Alphonse Gabriel Capone (laughs) was an American gangster and businessman who attained notoriety during the Prohibition era as the co-founder and boss of the Chicago Outfit. 
He was born in Brooklyn in 1899, and there's not a lot known about his parents, but he had troubled teenage years. He was kicked out of school at the age of 14 after beating up his teacher, and then he became a gangster. Well, I can tell you something about his parents right there. Uh, (laughs) First of all, it was Mr. and Mrs. Capone, and second of all, they were frustrated. Yeah. I would think. Capone was influenced by Johnny Torrio and became a gangster of the James Street Boys Gang. He was 18 when he committed his first crime. He gets in a knife fight and gets the nickname Starface. This was in <laughs> 20s. No, not, not 2017. 1917. No, it so, was. Oh, yeah, you're right. 1917. <laughs> Yeah. Not 2017. Yeah. I was thinking, no, 20, those silly. are mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, he really terrorized uh, the whole country in 2017 because <laughs> he was he was dead. And yeah. So when people would see him coming, you fucking betcha they cleared the street. Yeah. Um, something that a lot of gang members might want to think about is how much more terrifying you would be. If, if you were walking down the street dead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, um, let's continue with this fantastic biography because we're still in the early years. Yes, we are. And now here we all know how much you all love the interactive <laughs> portions of our report. Oh, we do. So, yeah, so, yeah. so here we go. I'm going to give you a statement and you tell me if it's true or false. All right. His girlfriend was named May Josephine Coughlin. Yes. You're right. It is true. You know how I know? Because in 2017, he came by my house and May was with him. May was an Irish American. Oh, I suspected as much. That's true. It is true. She was an Irish American. Wow. We're getting to jeopardy. You know what? I feel like you could go ahead and just tell us true things. (laughs) No, she has more. No, no. No, I'm enjoying the interactive part. Yeah, it's interactive. Adam Tiberius Felber. That's not my name. They had a son named Albert. That's not true. Uh, I'm going to say it is true. Um, It's true. It is Albert. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to, you know what is so exciting? I'm going to get probably the first available, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, Tony and Bunny, Al Capone <laughs> biography, sash badge. I'm so excited. Um, of course, at the end of the show, we'll tell listeners where to go um, to see the ceremony. Excellent. One more true or false. 26 days after Albert was born, May... And Capone got married. Mm. 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 I'm going to say false. I'm going to say false. True. It is true. Boy, that was a curveball. You know, when I learned that, I thought, wow, out of wedlock, that was pretty serious bad back then. But now that you guys are talking, I'm thinking that's just a drop in the bucket compared to what this guy did. Oh, you know what? I'm glad that your moral (laughs) compass points in that direction, that you understand that that having a child out of wedlock is not nearly as bad as killing people. I think... Thank you, Reverend Burns. That ends the true or false, but I have one more fact for you. In 1919, when Capone was 20, 
Ian May moved to Chicago. He's kind of well-known as a Chicago mobster, isn't he? I think he was in Cicero before that. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to say yes. Uh, no, that's that, that's not, the game is over. Oh, sorry! Oh, you weren't listening. <laughs> like, some people are criticized on this show. <laughs> yeah, who, who gets criticized for not listening around here? Yeah. It's my manager's ADD is so fucking bad that I didn't process what Tony just said. That's wow. really bad. <laughs> or I only processed it 15%. Okay, so I moved to Chicago in, what'd you say, 2019? Right. Is that what you said? 2019. 2019. Yeah, yeah. 2019? Yeah. I, work in, I work in Chicago, so I can tell you, he rules the streets there. 1919. That, it's not her fault. It got written incorrectly on a report. <laughs> Who, who wrote the report? No, maybe. Yeah, who wrote the report? <laughs> maybe one of us had more time to maybe. do. I don't know. There was like a typo, I guess. It got written incorrectly. Wow. <laughs> wow. And, and who gets the responsibility dodging badge for today's bo- that Bonnie That would be Bonnie Burns. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, so what else? What else about? Okay. So now we moved to Chicago, right? There's a big crime syndicate there and he becomes part of that. And then when he was 20, his dad died. Oh, oh, bummer. And you know what? I'll bet you, I'll bet you Al Capone was all boo hoo hoo when his dad died. Well, you should have fucking thought of that when you're frustrating the shit out of your parents, Al Capone. Boo hoo hoo Capone. That's what I call him. So... That crime family was very (laughs) tightly knit. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking maybe that's when the term mafia started. Why were you thinking that? I didn't have time to look it up, but it occurred to me. It occurred to you that this might be a thing and you decided to bring that to your report. (laughs) Usually you just stick with the facts. I think it's nice that she was critically thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's not critical (laughs) thinking. That's just taking a guess, Tony. (laughs) Okay. So, you know. When so you're talking about a guy who stabbed people before, and within the report, Bonnie was taking a wild stab herself. Good. <laughs> yeah, but he got a scar from being naughty. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you, so, Scarface Burns. Okay, so now he's in Chicago. They're a tightly knit group of people. And yeah. the day before Christmas, his brother, Frank, was killed by the police. Oh, no. Where? In Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> There. <laughs> yeah, okay. no, um, I'm just going to step in here because I happen to know why Frank was killed. Because he was, he was the first one to use the word mafia. And, uh, like, Don't you ever call us that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They didn't use guns, by the way. They actually said to each other, rat-a-tat-a-tat-a-tat-a. And then one... <laughs> And they would fall, okay. they'd go, fall down, fall down. they go, no, you didn't get me. Yes, I did. Fall down, fall down. Rat-a-tat-a, rat-a-tat-a. Okay. So I also know how much you like the interactive portion of these oh, reports. Yeah, I do. And if you're so, asking me, the answer is not at all, but go ahead. I, <laughs> <laughs> so this, I do. This is a true or false question. Nine months after his brother died, he became the boss of the crime syndicate in Chicago and by the end of the year, he got Johnny, Tony, was it Torios? Torinos? Oh, tor- Torio. Torio's business. That's true. I think that's true. I think the way I said it was sort of a giveaway. Yeah. Don't you worry think? about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. 
that was it. Yeah, you're not. You would not make a great SAT proctor. Let me just no. say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in mid December of twenty eight. Uh, he starts to make public appearances, and he's become notorious at this point. What kind of public appearances? Like, do people have him speak at their events? <laughs> he's notorious. He's notorious? What, is he doing <laughs> birthday parties? Why would you have Al Maybe, Capone? like, grocery store openings? <laughs> to help wish Cindy a happy seventh birthday, let's welcome notorious crime syndicate leader Al Capone. Al, say some words to the little girls. <laughs> Mommy, 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 we're scared of Al Capone. He's got a scar on his face. Hey, don't worry about it, kids. Hey, you know what? They shot my brother Frank in the head and I took over the mob. Bada bing. <laughs> Happy birthday, little girl. Don't cross me. Mommy, we don't like the scary man. <laughs> Happy birthday, Cindy. So, uh, in, on uh, December 19th, of 1928 he buys a 14 room mansion on um palm island florida um which is safe and secure from his chicago crime rivals the miami beach home where capone was vacationing when his wait so hold on i have not read this before (laughs) i like how you guys have really internalized the material okay wait give her a chance give her a chance (laughs) okay there we go there we go okay a chance (laughs) So, okay, the my okay, so Capone was vacationing at a Miami Beach home and this is his alibi as well. No, wait, you got to mention that it was his home in Palm Island. Oh, it was his home Florida. in Palm Island. Okay, that's where he was vacationing. Okay. Well, that's where he used to go. So he put himself there. What do you mean he put himself okay. there? <laughs> I've never heard that. I've never seen that in the thesaurus. So, so if I go somewhere, it's, I, officer, I put myself in my home. So Al Capone. Wait, you know what, you guys, I got, I got to go. I got to put myself in my car. Um. So he decided to put himself at his home in Palm Island, Florida. He was fake. It's more, he like, was fake. A, it's more like a playing piece in a board was, game. So I'm going to put myself. He was vacationing. Oh. Kids, I got to leave this birthday party because I got to place myself in my home in Florida. So, uh, but hey, give that pinata an extra whack for me, okay? <laughs> Good night, kids. Cindy, blow out the candles. Blow out the candles before I blow you out. Okay, go ahead. He put himself So, where? at his Palm Island, Florida home, he's vacationing, which would become his alibi. Yeah. When his gang pulled off the mm-hmm. 1929 St. Valentine's Day massacre. I didn't even know he celebrated Valentine's. <laughs> so um, Capone was so infamous that a movie was made about it shortly after, right, Bonnie? Yes. Um, and we have a we have a clip. We have a clip of the movie. <laughs> it's when I you in on St. Valentine's Day. Oh, it's so an audio clip. Picture. I see. What is this? A pinch? No, they're bringing you a Valentine. Don't you know it's Valentine's Day? Oh yeah, I forgot. Come on, line up, you guys. Over there. All seven of you. What's the gag? Is the heat on? Plenty. Face the wall. Put your mitts up. All of you. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So that's... um... (laughs) Is that a clip from the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And when was that movie made? 1932. Nobody lived through that except for one bass player and saxophonist who escaped and then disguised themselves as women. 
I'm getting a lot of blank looks here. He's describing some like it hot. <laughs> some um, like it hot. I know what you're talking about. Let's get back to the report. Yeah. So on May 17th, 1929, Capone goes to jail for carrying concealed deadly weapons. Any details about who caught him, where he was carrying them? Because my guess is he's carried concealed deadly weapons many times before. Maybe like the police? (laughs) I think it could have been the police. Thank you, Tony. That's a good guess. Gomer from Mayberry. Citizens Arrayas. Citizens Arrayas. I'm taking you in. Ange, get him. Get him. Uh, yeah, I think it was probably the police, Tony. That yes, was... uh, absolutely. And then he died in prison. The end. Okay, no, no. I think there's more. There's more. It's not the <laughs> end. Okay. No, of course So not. in 1931, he was 32. Yeah. And that's when he mm-hmm. got convicted of federal tax evasion because they you know, couldn't get him on all the murders he'd been behind. And one of the reasons they couldn't get him on... The murders was because he never said, go kill this guy. Yep. What did he say instead? Make him an offer he can't refuse. (laughs) No, that's from the Godfather. That's an offer. (laughs) And he wouldn't use email. That's the other thing about him. I bet you didn't know this. He was one of the first prisoners to arrive at Alcatraz. Were they ready for him or did he get there early and help set up? So he was arrested in 1932. That was the end of it for him? No, he was... Let's see. They were able to sentence him for five years. And then in 39, he returned to his home on Palm Island, where he died eight years later of... Syphilis. Oh. Wow. Oh, darn. I don't want to interfere with your report in any way, but let me just ask you about the whole arrest on tax evasion. Was uh, the FBI involved at all or... Maybe a guy named Elliot Ness. In well, that goes bells. without saying. Does it? Well, if you'd um, let me finish. Oh, go ahead, yeah, go Tony. Ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, Ambassador. Go ahead. So for the house on Palm Island, Florida, Capone spent over $3 million in 2021 dollars to install a gatehouse, a seven-foot-high wall, searchlights, a cabana, and coral rock grotto, for that house for additional security had guards posted on the second floor of the gatehouse and the cabana to protect him from anyone arriving by boat his wife may held onto the house until the 50s it was recently purchased by a developer for 10.75 million dollars who will likely tear it down and replace it with a two-story modern home I did let you finish, and Elliot Ness still didn't come up. I didn't say what. No, she's got one more thing. Okay, great. And so, in conclusion, Al Capone (laughs) rose, and he fell, and he was mean as hell. (laughs) Was that yours, Tony? I don't think it was. It was mine. (laughs) That was beautiful, Tony. I love that she ended with poetry. Bonnie, did you have anything to add to that, or are you going to let that poetry stand? No, I'm done, but... I was thinking when Tony was reporting about the house, because it's supposed to be a beautiful house, but I guess it'd be hard to turn that into an attraction because, you know, you're going to a gangster's house who murdered all these people. I don't know. Sounds kind of pleasant to me. Odd. Okay, well, you know what? That was that was absolutely <laughs> wonderful. And let's hear it, everybody, for Bonnie and Tony and the B&T biography of Al Capone. Ready, tap, tap. Ready, tap, tap. Um... 
I would like to just submit one piece for you. Roses <laughs> are red, violets are blue. Elliot Ness arrested Al Capone. I don't know why you didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but everybody knows that. I didn't until, uh, uh, well, I was reminded of it by Adam. I had forgotten. It's just, you know what? I don't mean it critically. I just mean, maybe the next biography you do, you'll just slip it in there. You'll just, it'll be, oh, by the way. I guess it's important. All right, kids, I got to go because uh, the syphilis is, is driving me insane. Uh, but happy birthday again to Cindy and uh, tell your parents to drink responsibly. So does that mean he got syphilis in jail? I wondered about that. Like, where would he get syphilis? It sounds like he had a bunch of years out of jail before he died of syphilis. He had eight years. And also, Marjorie Taylor Greene points out that you can get some adult sex toys at Target. <laughs> so that could have been... I think the time for idle speculation about this week's biography is done. <laughs> hey, um, everybody, if you have any comments about that uh, fantastic biography or just want to make a comment, that's nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And Paula Poundstone, what's going on in your Poundstone product empire this week? Before... We do that. I just want to say one more time, a round of applause for Tony oh, and Bonnie. That Very was nice. That was, that was fantastic. All right, Paula, what's on the hot sheet from the Poundstone Product Empire? Well, Adam, cats as far away as Oxnard are enjoying the gift of Poundstone pussy pillows that are available at the shop at paulapoundstone.com. They are four-inch by five-and-a-half-inch catnip stuffed pillows handcrafted right in the sweatshop at Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated. They bear a cat joke on one side, and I autograph them to each cat individually on the other side. Plus, they have a grommet at the top so you can attach a string and drag it to help Fluffy maintain her kittenish lease on life. I'm very happy to say that I've looked out from the stage at a few of my recent shows and seen what are clearly some of the hippest people in the room sporting comfy, cozy, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone hooded sweatshirts, which they must have gotten at the shop at paulapoundstone.com because that's where you get them. And if you're from Australia and you happen to have seen uh, Tony Anita Hull walking down the street in one of those sweatshirts, well, you're not listening to us right now anyway because she never told you what it was about. <laughs> However, if you are by chance listening to us, uh, that, that's where it came from, paulapoundstone.com. And by the way, as you're listening to this, everybody, we're just a few days away from my band playing in a parking lot here in Valley Falls, <laughs> California. Now, you can't come to that, but you can hear all about the songs that we played and why we played them and other things that we listened to on Dad Band Land, my other podcast. All right. Paula Poundstone, we're, we've come to the end of the show, and as usual, at the no. end of the show right now, it's time for my favorite new segment, Paula's Words of Wisdom. Paula? I don't know. We, we never talked about this. I didn't know that I was supposed to have... This has been Paula's Words of Wisdom. <laughs> hey, remember to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It's free. And if you want to know more about us, have some questions, send them to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And that's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone. And yours truly, Adam Felber. Special thanks to our guest, John Yay. Wagoner. <laughs> thanks to our house band, Gregory yeah. Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 Gregory, be sure. 
to check him out at pianogregor.com or at Gregor Piano Man on Facebook. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Zebnik, and Julie Berkobian. Edited by Vic Lowry. Starburns production by Landru Romo. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service for all your transcriptional needs. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? So, uh, you want me to twist a balloon animal for you? Before I get out of here and murder somebody? Mommy, mommy, <laughs> make the mean man go away. No, 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 no. Sh- shut up, Cindy. I'm going to make you a balloon animal. He has a scar on his face, mommy. Mommy, how come we couldn't have Pikachu or, or, or Shirley Temple? Actually, funny story behind this scar. I was, uh, I was in New York City. Uh, uh, Cindy, do you like gangs? I don't. I don't like gangs. I don't like gangs. Bobby, Bobby. Okay, I was fighting with the, one of the five points gangs in uh, in Brooklyn, and I got in a knife fight. You like knives, Cindy? <laughs> I don't like knives. Mommy, mommy, make the scary man go away. Hey, look, I made you a balloon knife. You can't really do anything with a balloon knife. All right, well, here's a real one, then. All right, everybody, I got to go. Get back. Get back, Al Capone. <laughs> I got a balloon knife, and I'm going to use it. Starbanks Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.